children weep no more. Hope is on the horizon. Weary world, behold, your promised Messiah. Here comes heaven. Say it with me. Here comes heaven. Turn, tell your neighbor, here comes heaven. Husbands, raise one eyebrow and say, here comes heaven. <laughs> yeah, boy. Here it comes. Let me tell you something, baby. You look no further right here. Here it comes. <laughs> anyway, here comes heaven. Here comes heaven today. Cue the slide for the hopeless. Here comes heaven for the hopeless. Here comes heaven for the hopeless. This morning, if you feel an absence of hope, if you feel an absence for anticipation, I think we're going to enjoy this word study this morning, uh, this topical message on hope. It is very applicable for where we have been this year. But I feel as though it will be so impactful, it will fill a void, or rather create the void that was supposed to be there. Rather remove the things that are filling the void to allow the Lord to move in the midst of what we think is hopelessness, but is in all actuality just the hope that he has prepared for us this morning. Uh, the word Advent, it, it, it just means... Uh, arrival or coming and during this advent season how many just love christmas come on now i just love it i, I was putting gas in the car at the royal farms i think it was uh, what was it yesterday and uh jesus's name is coming out on the speakers at the rofo and uh, I, I mean it's just it's a wonderful season when we can hear our savior's name uh in every store as we walk about as long as they're not some kind of woke cookie store. But it's, it's like the Lord is moving. He's in our midst. And I just love hearing the name of Jesus uh, proclaimed during this season. But many, I feel as though Christians uh, get a little pep in their step during the Advent season because they're focused on the fact that Jesus came. He was here. He arrived. But then the rest of the year, they forget that he's here and that he's present and that his Holy Spirit is ready to do something today like he did 2,000 years ago. And, and, and we're going to prove the fact that today there were those that looked forward to his coming with anticipation. There were those that anticipated what he was doing when he was on earth. And that there's us who in this moment and in this season of life can anticipate more of what he's going to do uh, in the future and what he's going to do through us today. Um, but it shouldn't just be during this Advent season. It shouldn't just be the first Advent, the Christmas season, Advent season, the coming, the arrival of the Messiah that we look forward to. Here comes heaven every day, all the time. And so that's really what we're looking into. So uh, focusing in on this word hope, here comes heaven for the hopeless. Uh, what does that word hope mean? What does it mean in scripture? When we turn to the word of God, uh, when we turn to this cup of coffee that is really in theme with the Christmas uh, decor up here. What do you think about that? Look, <laughs> this looks like it belongs, doesn't it? Anyway, here comes heaven, Miss Ryder. Who knows that? <laughs> when we look at this word hope, what does it teach us from Scripture? Listen, we have now a more sure word of prophecy. You know the Bible is all we need? Whatever you were looking for this morning, understand this, that Scripture is all we need. If you feel like you're deficient in something this morning, it's probably the Word of God. It probably is. So we're going to go to the Word of God, and we're going to do a, a little study here on the word hope. Hope is a feeling of expectation. It's a desire uh, for certain things to happen. A state, I love this word, of anticipation. A state of anticipation. 
Uh, there's two Hebrew words and one Greek word that we're going to dive into, all that formulate what this word or the picture of what this word hope means. Uh, so the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, we're going to look at two Hebrew words. And in the New Covenant, my, my main man, Paul, we're going to look at one Greek word that he used. And we're going to paint this full picture of what hope is. And then we're going to settle into the book of Romans for our three points and a poem. And then we're going to go home. Okay? That's how it's going to work. Uh, but ultimately, uh, I, I just love the way these different words paint the picture of what hope really is. If, if you don't know what you have, you don't know what you don't have, right? I think is that what it is but something close to it if you don't know if you haven't defined it and you don't realize what's happening to you is actually the design it's actually the way the Lord wanted it to be then sometimes I think we can actually spite or be angry with a certain situation that scripture clearly teaches is the way God wanted it would it wouldn't it be a, a sad day if literally our attitude and posture toward the very lives that God was creating we're wrong. And then, and then here comes heaven like in a real physical sense and the Lord is like, the whole time, I was there the whole time. I created, I crafted this life specifically for you to live in community with me, but you rejected it. Wouldn't that be sad if it was just clearly because we didn't define the terms from the Bible? Our expectation for anticipation was wrong. That's why it's important to be in a good Bible-believing church. A good Bible-believing community that, that defines the Word of God, not for what they want it to say, but for what it says. Historically, contextually, where we really dive in and we say, this is what it means. This is what it says. Why? Because false prophets, we know just from our last study of First and Second Thessalonians, they're everywhere. They're going to uh, manipulate it and twist it to their advantage, and that's going to leave you wanting. This is not, this message might leave you going, ooh, I don't know if I can do that. But it's not going to leave you wandering. The truth is declared in, in this word hope. Amen. God bless. Uh, and, and, and I think that you're going to be different because of it. So the first Hebrew word, uh, forgive my pronunciation, uh, yakal, yakal for hope, the Hebrew word, one word that we pull out of the old covenant for it. It means to wait for. So Noah, stay with me. Oh, he's going classroom on me. Off. <laughs> When you tell a story, I'll turn you back on. No, 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 no. Hang with me. Stay with me. This is good stuff. I'll tell another couple stories, I promise. You call. It means to wait for. Here's a story in the Old Covenant where the word hope is, is built and pictured. Noah had to you call. He had to wait for the waters to recede off the earth. He had anticipation for what he knew the Lord was going to do in the event of the flood. He had hope. He had a, an understanding that the Lord was going to remove the floodwaters, but he knew that he had to live in them for that season. When we, when we get this picture and this understanding of what this word hope means, we see a picture of Noah's ark in the waves, in the seas, for days and years on end, hoping, anticipating for what the Lord has next. You call Quaval, the other Hebrew word, it is the feeling of tension while you wait. So many believe that I have hope or I have expectation for something, but, but the Old Testament paints a stronger picture. I love the word pictures. It paints a stronger picture of not just what is coming, but the substance of what you're feeling during that season. 
Hope is not only something that is on the horizon, it is felt through the horizon. The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 8, verse 17, And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. The words wait and look are words of anticipation. If you're joining me online, the words wait and look, they're they're words of anticipation, words of feeling the hope, words of understanding the scenario more than just what it means, but how it makes you feel. Two Hebrew words. I was was telling the the early service um, a story about uh, there was an old basketball pole out back here. Anybody remember the old basketball pole that was here when we first got here? Michelle, you remember? And <laughs> remember Nick's big diesel truck? So he takes his truck, and I, I want to say, I don't know if anybody remembers. Kyle, were you there? No. But it was, uh, I, I want to say we had one of those towing straps. Is that right? Or was it just a ratchet strap, Cody? It was a tow strap. So we hooked this tow strap to his 2500 Duramax, and it was truck versus concrete pole, right? And he's like, I'm going to pull that thing out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're all looking in anticipation. Doggone this rug. Give me a second. Give me a second. All right, we're doing good. Thank you. God bless you. You, you can't let the, the animal rule the roost up here and tell him where he belongs. So anyway, in this moment, in this moment of anticipation, we're all standing there going, wow, this is one of, the, one of those, hey, y'all, watch yes moments. <laughs> Hold my beer. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it was one of those moments where we were all like, what's going to happen? Concrete pole or bumper? Which one? And we had hope and anticipation. But here's where the Hebrew word really brings gravity. It's also the tension. So what was under tension? The rope. The very rope that was doing the job was when the truck reached the end of the rope, it began to what? Tighten. And you sensed that something was going to happen, but it was all predicated on the tension of the rope. You see, the Lord puts us, man, I'm getting heavy. Why? Because he puts us in seasons where we are stretched. And if we're not careful, the the tension from the hope and the anticipation will break us. But that is not the anticipation. And that is not what the Lord wants for us to happen. He wants our faith to endure to the end. But see, when we don't realize that it's not just the event, but it's also the tension, we don't think about both. There are areas in our life that when hopelessness sets in, it cripples us and we don't pay attention to the tension on the rope. Hope is both the anticipation and the tension. I want to say the pole won (laughs) in that story. And it bent and then we ended up grinding it and pulling it out. It is both the situation, the anticipation of that and the tension. Moving into, well, let me read you one more verse. Psalm 130, 5 through 7. Psalm 130, 5 through 7. Not only was the prophet Isaiah waiting for God himself, Israel was waiting for the Lord. The nation says, I will wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. Listen to this. 
Hope is not determined by circumstances. It is determined by the past of God's faithfulness and trusting in anticipation for the future. What is hope? I'll tell you what it's not. It's not the circumstances. Hope is not the truck, the pole, and the rope. It's not those things that we get fixated on. It's the trust and the belief in the Lord. It's understanding his past and allowing that to make way and belief for our future. That's what hope is defining uh, the biblical terms. So we go to the Greek, the last word that we'll look at in our study here, elpis. This Greek word elpis, it means favorable and confident expectation. So Paul, I love this, he pulls weight from the Old Testament meanings and then creates the context for us to live in. This is beautiful, wait for it. Just really wait for it, because I need to take a sip here. This is beautiful. Watch this. Biblical hope, stay with me, it's not a game of odds, but rather a decision to wait for the Lord to bring about the future. As this this view or this definition of hope takes shape, what we see is, is the situation, what we see is the lay of the land, the landscape of the flood, the tension of the rope. We see the tension of what God is doing in our lives, and we take a step back, and when we understand that it is really, truly belief in God's character, not the circumstances that are surrounding us, we begin to see what hope really is. Biblical hope is not a game of odds, but rather a desire to wait for the Lord to bring about our future. That's why, that's why the prosperity gospel is so dangerous. It's so dangerous when you bring a game of odds into your Christian life, you are setting yourself up for hopelessness. You see what I'm not doing? There's hope for the hopeless. If, if, you, if you don't have hope this morning, just know that this year, God's going to give you money. Just know that this year, God's going to give you a mate. Just know that this year, God's going to cure you from the disease. All of those things are good things, but my hope is not predicated on them. It is not a game of, if you're hopeless this morning, understand that you will not get out of your hopelessness according to a specific game of odds, according to a formula, according to it playing out the way you think it'll play out. None of that will change your hopelessness this morning. It won't. It is only the acceptance of the idea that God is in control of my future when I begin to receive hope. You understand what I'm saying? Paul understood this. Noah understood this. The prophet Isaiah understood as he wrote about the first advent, the coming Messiah, the government will be upon his shoulders. What would we do, Christian? The person who can't go 10 minutes into our lunchtime, we must pull off and find a McDonald's, find three or four or six McDoubles, however many Cody had last week. We have to, we have to find it right now. In this season of instant gratification, what would we do if God put us in a season of anticipation? We would finally realize and come to the fact that it is not a game of odds. Biblical hope is not a game of odds, but rather a decision to wait for the Lord to bring about the future. Hey, listen, church, to be hopeless is to be without expectation. 
To be hopeless is to be without anticipation. To be hopeless is without cause or purpose for the future. Listen to this scripture, Isaiah 11.1. And there shall come forth, I mean, we're reaching the point of the message. We're about to come into the, the points here. Don't miss this. Paul quotes Isaiah often in his writings. Check out how Paul quotes the prophet Isaiah, who we just read about hope, in his uh, scripture here in Romans and how it's just going to really illuminate our paths this morning. Listen to this verse in Isaiah 11.1, 1, and we're going to see it again in Paul's writing. Here he says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. In other translations and other places, it talks about how it comes out of the stump. The prophet Isaiah knew that what Israel was going through, captivity after captivity, struggle after struggle, they would see Israel cut down. But God would work through a stump. Even the prophet could look at a cut down tree. Will, what does that look like? You see it every day. I'm going to tell you what a cut down tree looks like. It looks like Will Martini standing behind it. No, 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 no. Anyway, he cuts trees down for a living. But the, I don't know where any of that came from. But the point is, that, good to see you guys. God bless you. The point is this. You don't expect life to come out of that. You expect removal. You expect an end. You expect something else to be put in its place. And the prophet said, uh-uh. There's going to be a shoot off of that. Israel, corruption after corruption, fallen king after fallen king, but there's only one king who has the power to conquer death, hell, and the grave. And I'm going to tell you with this word, hope, that my anticipation is looking at something dead, knowing that something alive is going to come out of it. It isn't a game of odds. The, the picture's becoming clear. Scripture is, is painting this beautiful masterpiece of art that is this. What, what the world brings death to, what sin brings death to, the Lord through hope not only fixes it, but creates the season of anticipation for it to be revived. And what we're talking about this morning is that season of anticipation. That's hope. Listen to Paul. Take the truth that Jesus is going to come from broken down Israel and bring something beautiful out of it. Romans 15, 12 through 13. And again, Isaiah, that's what he's saying, spelt differently, but it's, that's who he's talking about. There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. He went so much further than they even could imagine. A root rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles, what's the next word? Trust. Don't miss that. They're going to trust in him. Look at the next verse. This is the meat and potatoes of the message. You ready? Now the God of, okay, Paul is bringing clearly into view the old covenant Paul is bringing clearly into view an understanding of a season that needs anticipation. That's what he's saying. But also attention. 
even racial tension between Jew and Greek that Paul felt, that Paul allowed to become taught. He's saying, listen, this word I'm going to use is a word of anticipation and a word of tension. Now, the God of what? Hope. That's what that word is. What's the next two words? Fill you. Fill you. The Lord is looking for space to fill you with all what? Joy and hmm. in believing. That ye may, what's the next word? That's like flossing. That's super happy. Abound. That ye may abound in what? There it is again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stay with me, I promise you. Light bulbs are going off. Through the what? Of the Holy Ghost. Here, here we are, we've reached this point. How does the Bible offer hope? How does Paul make this claim? You should ask that question. You should go, whoa, 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 my man. How are you going to sit there and not only say that something, like you're going to echo an Old Testament prophet? because that's what happened. But how are you gonna ensure and promise us that this is actually gonna come to fruition? That's what it means. A anticipation that trusts, an anticipation that believes. How are you staking your claim on that? Because Paul knew the scriptures. Acts 1.11, somebody who traveled with Paul, who knew Paul very well, who wrote for Paul a lot, wrote this one. He says this, which also ye said, here's his words before he left. This is Jesus ascending into heaven. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye what? Gazing up into heaven. Why are you looking up into heaven? <laughs> I'm getting chills. Why are you looking up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so what? Come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The hope to the hopeless this morning is that we do not look back on the coming of the Lord Jesus to the earth as an isolated event that forever changed the way we think, but rather we look back on the first advent or coming of the Lord with confidence that if he did it once, he will do it again. Here comes what? Heaven. In that moment that our Savior proved over 500 people, eyewitness accounts, seeing our Lord Jesus Christ walk the earth, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And what did he say in his last words, leaving heaven? Don't look up into heaven. Call heaven to you. Here comes what? How could Paul offer hope for the hopeless? Because here comes heaven. That's how. Here's my realization. You ready for it? Romans 15, my realization is this. Verse number 13 in Romans 15 says, Now the God of hope. Man, he's so quick with those slides. Thank you, bud. Now the God of what? Hope. Here's my realization. Our God is a God of hope. God wants us anticipating he wants us anticipating this was my realization this week the Lord likes surprises that's it I don't like surprises sorry God says 
through, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says our God is a God of anticipation. He is a God of unresolved chords. He is a God of the infinite bridge that never ends. <laughs> we don't know. And some of you right now, the reality of Christianity just hits you in the gut because you can't handle that. You're the ones who iron your clothes before you go to work the next day. You know who you are. I see you. I see you. All of you that endlessly prepare for everything, that hate any surprise, that have your own birthday gifts planned for the next 10 years, you know exactly what you're going to get for Christmas. It is, and ain't no surprise or it's going to be a bad Christmas. You know what I'm saying? All of you just got sick to your stomach. All of you, if I'm not able to bring this home for you, will leave Christianity forever and never come back because you just found out that God is a God of surprises and anticipation. Oh, what do we do when the gospel rubs us the wrong way? What do we do with a question mark when we clearly want a period in our lives? Sorry. It's worse than that. It's like a comma. It's like a cliffhanger. Dot, dot, dot. It's, it's even worse than that. It's when you have an iPhone because all of you that don't have iPhones don't even have real phones. It's like, it's like when you have your iPhone and all you see is the bubble that comes up with the three moving dots and you're just waiting. You don't know what they're going to say. It wasn't even stated. You just know they're saying something. And they've at least erased it and typed it ten times because it doesn't take that long to say what needs to be said. And you're just sitting there in that moment. And you're wondering, what's she going to say? Because you always know it's conflict between husband and wife. You know what I mean? Maybe they just opened the text thread, started to type something, and set their phone down. That would be cruel. Or not. Here's my realization this week. When I'm talking about here comes heaven, hope for the hopeless, how are you going to give me hope? How do, I, how do I bring a scenario of financial disaster, of financial reversal, of death to a family member, of sickness, of COVID-19, of hospital visits? As a pastor, I want to go to the hospital. I want to stand by someone's bedside. I want to lay hands on them. I want to pray for them. And I can't. What, what do you do during these seasons? You realize that we have a God that thrives off of these situations. Not only thrives, watch, it's in his character of who he is. That's a tough thing. You see, a part of that realization is understanding this, that if our God lives outside of time, then time doesn't dictate him. The, the very thing that, that you're looking to, you people, the same people that iron things ahead of time, you're the ones with built-out calendars. You're the people who allow this watch to tell you where to go, when to do it. Everything is timed. You know what I'm saying, everything. It's all, it's all built on a, on a schedule, and it's all worked out, and it's planned, and it's proper, and everything's in order. And if it's not, you're not in order, but your God is not no one dictates him that way. There's nothing that actually could encapsulate him to be formed. You say, well, God's super important. We should bring him into every little situation. He is every situation. There is no way to confine him to something that would dictate or bring you comfort in structure. 
He is everything, everywhere, all the time. He doesn't need something to define him because he is. That's why anticipation is so good for us because we have ultimate faith and trust in who he is. Okay, I have three points, I have to hurry. Looking at Romans chapter eight, what Paul has said here, it's beautiful. What is hope, how does this play out? Number one, hope creates space for joy and peace. Let's go back to that verse, verse number 13. Now the God of what? Hope, now the God of what? Hope, what's it say? fill you with all what? Okay, so follow me. Right here. God of hope. So this word hope of what he is, he then what? Fills. So here's what hope, here's three realizations here. Number one, hope creates space for joy and peace. Here's the word God gave me here for number one. Don't allow your fear to fill a void that God was creating for your joy and peace. I mean, the Lord spent all that time creating the space and we instantly resolve it with our fear, with our anxiety, with our anger, with our, all of those feelings that didn't need to be there just because we weren't okay with the tension. I just spent some time sharing with you that, that scripturally, hope is that tension. It's not just the situation, it's your feelings in that situation. And our God is a God of those situations. And when, when he creates space for you, when you're looking, I have such a void, I have such a hole in my heart, these things in life, these circumstances created it. No, they didn't. You're putting those circumstances as your God. You're giving those things licenses in your life that are producing legalism that if you just tell the Lord who he is in your life, he'll give you liberty. Uh, understand this, church, church. Hope creates space for joy. It creates space for peace. But if you don't understand what God is doing, you'll quickly fill it with fear and anxiety. This morning, we need to allow God to be God in our lives. Understand this scripture verse, Philippians 1.6, he that hath begun a good work in you, being confident of this very thing, be, being confident of this very thing, that he that hath, what is that next word? Oh, oh, I ain't got time for a sip. He who put the crater there, he began it. He created this situation that you're in. There ain't a hair on your head that he doesn't know about. He began it. He will what? Perform it. He began this work and you're like, yo, go take a lunch break. I got this. My calendar says. My feelings say. My relationship says. My lust says, my hunger says. That's why a 21 day prayer and fasting is so important. It's you letting go. It's you allowing God the space that he created to work in. I promise you, God never fills his workspace with fear and anxiety. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's 
not looking at that space wondering what to do. He knows what to put in it. He's ready. He's willing. He'll give you joy. That was timely. He, he began it. Some of y'all, you know who you are. Chill. Create space. Hopelessness is, is the absence of expectation. It's the absence of anticipation. Do not, you hear me? Do not remove the very thing that God is using to begin work on your heart. <laughs> Yesterday, oh my goodness. I'm gonna struggle getting through this one. My wife knows where I'm going with this. I, I do need a sip of coffee for this one. Shoot. Somebody go get me something a little extra for my coffee. You know what I'm saying? rough one. Hopelessness is tough. Once hopelessness starts, it's like a snowball. You know what I mean? And then you're like in a snowball where it's like your arms and legs are out and you're surrounded and you can't do nothing about it. You're just flying down the hill, stuck in it. That's hopelessness. So yesterday we, <laughs> we had to take uh, some shoes back for rainy. So we drove down to Canton to the Skechers store and I bought the wrong size, dad fail. <laughs> So we're like going back down there. We're going to swap them out. She's, I mean, the child, any of y'all that see my kids, it's like every day, you need a new pair of shoes? What happened last night? My goodness, phew, another foot, another foot. It's like she needs a new pair of shoes every week. Anybody attest to that? Your kids hit these growth spurts? Oh, my goodness gracious. That child, she's going to be playing on the NBA next week. You know who I'm talking about. She's huge. I love her in a good way. But the point is, is I bought the wrong size shoes. I thought they were good, but it wasn't good. And so we go back to the Skechers store. And off to the side, in the distant yonder, I hear the whelping pups in front of the Petco. In 40-degree weather, these adoption rescue agencies, they know what they're doing. I'm calling you out online. I'm telling you, you know who you are. They know what they're doing. It's, it's like a, you know, a little bit of that, what those pups were going through. You know, they know what they took them out of, so a little bit of cold isn't going to hurt them. But that little bit of cold is going to make everybody else want to adopt them right away on the spot. I'm going to get you home. <sighs> All these pups outside. My children, daddy, daddy. One in particular, I want to hold it, hug it, squeeze it. I'm like, I don't like where this is going. I don't like where this is going. I really don't. I don't need this right now in my life. I'm like, let's just go inside. Let's go look at the birds and the bird cages and the guinea pigs and the rats. Oh, No. We see these dogs, poor things. They, had, they just got them from a kill shelter from Texas. It was terrible. So I finally dodge a bullet, and we make it inside the store, thank the Lord. And I'm like, Phew. And there's this unbelievable dog ten steps away inside the store. Face split, chocolate brown, tan brown, spotted white, a little bit of pit bull, a little bit of something else, no bigger than 20 pounds, eight months old the puppy stage, kind of. That's a lot of heartache saved right there. It's a lot of shoes saved, hopefully. And he catches eyes with my children. <gasps> and this like moment happens. River. <laughs> and I'm like, what's his name? Buster. Buster. And the adoption workers are like, <laughs> got him. Here comes hope for the hopeless, because I was hopeless. She says, we have rooms reserved for you guys to go meet him. Of course you do. 
Of course you do. I'd like to go there first by myself and end it all. No, just kidding. Anyway, so we go to the room, and we take Buster with us. And Sarah, you know, she's very exquisite, unshaken, steadfast. You know, learn your lesson. We're not taking this puppy dog home. And I look over, the one who is supposed to be my strong tower in these moments, and a tear is escaping her eye. No! No! Heaven, please come. Here comes heaven. I'm looking. So we go in this room. She's crying. River's crying, of course, the first one to cry. Ross walks over picks up a squeaky toy, squeezes it twice, throws it, the dog goes for it and brings it right back to him. He takes it out of his mouth and he goes like this. <laughs> Ross's approval. Rainy's wheels are turning, she crosses her arms, so how do we take him home? <laughs> and the lady says, it's an application. Dad, you, you wanna do it on your phone or, or what? <laughs> oh, is that how it is? Yes, that's how it is. <laughs> In that moment where I'm like, I don't know what to do. I can't allow this to continue. The dog, almost perfectly timed, prances across the room, comes up, lays his head on my lap, and turns. <laughs> Blinks his eyes three times for the Holy Trinity, and then I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> All right, Buster, you're coming home with us. I was it. Done. Done deal. She's like, I'll text you the application. Thank you very much. Some, can you grab us a crate too while you're at it? A new leash and some dog food, whatever he's been eating. I'm filling out the application online. About five minutes goes by. The kids are continuing to bond. and This is, this is meant to be. It's meant to be. He, he's gentle. Everything and more that you want in a second dog, right? A second dog. <laughs> so silence kind of comes over the room. A lady walks in. Not one of the workers who had been with us before. You could tell she had more power than that. And she says, unfortunately, there was a man here looking at Buster 30 minutes ago. We thought he had left, but his application came back approved and he was just getting supplies for the dog. I'm like, oh no, you ain't taking this dog. I mean, five minutes ago, five, just five minutes ago, I was like, how do I get out of this situation? And in that very moment, I was ready to spend my last ever loving penny to keep that dog. And I'm looking for him. I'm like, you tell him right now that there are three children in this room and they will cry if that dog leaves here with someone else other than us. Woo! And then, gosh darn it, Michelle, I noticed that I had a Bethlehem church mask on. That took out three of the four things that I was going to do to that fella if he decided to take that dog home. I look, I'm thinking, which one is he? Which one is he? And he is just, it's like he could sense a father peering through the glass at him and, and literally would not make eye contact. He just kept looking everywhere. Other. I'm like, I'm going to squeeze your little canton tail right out of here, boy. You walk away. I'm going home with this dog. You know what I'm saying? So, if you're watching online, I love you, I cherish you, you're welcome here at our church, uh, but you ruined my kid's life yesterday. <laughs> Sorry, son of a gun. Anyway, so she goes and she's like, I'll go ask him if he can adopt one of the others, because there's clearly, clearly been a connection made with this dog and your children. I'm like, clearly. She comes back in with resolve and said, I'm sorry, he's not willing to let you guys have the dog. He wants it, and he was here first. 
and your application hasn't come back yet. So I have to give them the dog. I mean, the trauma, the tears. I mean, it was like, and it wasn't rebellion. It was just remorse. They, they were saving this, this dog. They were saving him. Hopelessness. There was not one thing. I know this seems like a silly story, but in that moment, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't hurt him. He knew I was from the church. <laughs> and in the day and age of Facebook Live, I wanted to thump him. I, w- I was like, and it says in the qualifications for a bishop, you cannot be a brawler. I'm like, just one, Lord, just one. People will come to the gospel because of this. They w- they'll see the fear of the Lord. I was completely hopeless in that moment. Completely. I felt it. But you know what? When we got in the car, amongst all the tears and wailing and gnashing of teeth that, were, that was happening in the Robinson van, we said to them last night the perfect lesson that life often teaches us. This tension that you feel, this hurt, this pain is going to make it worthwhile when the dog that the Lord has for us comes to live in our home. All the pain that you feel right now for not having that one, you'll have more appreciation for the one that comes along. The Lord says, the life that you're living, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, shall what? Find it. The Lord has to teach us through creating space in our lives, suffering, taking things from us. Even Job, the Lord what? Giveth, but the Lord what? He creates space in our lives because he's a God of hope. The only way that you will fill, that your heart will be filled, feel and fill with joy, with those feelings that only the Lord can give, is if you allow that anticipation and that tension to build. It's a hard lesson, but it's a right lesson. Hope commits to joy and peace. Back in our text, it says, Now the God of hope fill you with joy and peace, watch this, in believing, in believing. The second thing is, once you know that the Lord is going to fill you with joy and peace, and you decide to turn it over and allow God to give you hope in your hopelessness, the way that that continues is through your belief. Some of you are gonna leave today and you're gonna be like, okay, I've been filling my heart with fear and anxiety. I have been doing that. And I'm not gonna do that any longer. But tomorrow, when the devil comes back to you and he suggests the fear, he whispers your failure. Paul said it this way. He said, listen, if you're gonna continue in the joy and peace that the Lord gives you, you have to hold on to it. That's belief. I pray and I trust Jesus to save me and that's it going to heaven, going to heaven, me, <laughs> no, that's not, Christ- the Christian life is, I cling, I don't let go, he created space, and he is who I'm holding on to, and he is going to see me through this, and I don't, I don't, whatever I face, whatever I go through, it is not for me to decide, I'm going to believe and put my enduring faith in him, this isn't for, for snow cones or powder puffs. This is for people who are willing to put their concrete belief in him. Don't stop. (laughs) There it is again. Don't stop believing. 
don't stop. Put your enduring faith in him because he's a God of hope. Here's the third thing and final thing. Seeing us home. Ah, this is, this is mind-blowing. Mind-blowingly good what the Apostle Paul says here. Hope anticipates more than your present reality dictates. Hope, <laughs> hope anticipates more than your present reality dictates. You see the progression here. When you decide that you're going to believe and you're not gonna let go, your present moment, your present reality will continue to dictate and tell you how you should feel. Your family, your mother, your brother, your coworker, you know how you should feel in this moment. You know that you shouldn't approach this with hope. You know that addiction is better. You know that feeling is better. You know that lust is better. The present moment will dictate over and over, but our God is not a dictator. He's a God of anticipation. When you put your trust and your belief in him, you can live in anticipation. You don't need to be dictated every moment. Your present reality, how many of you are being run, run, run by your present moment, by your calendar, by your doggone phone, by your relationships, by your feelings? How many are being run to death because they're dictating you in every moment? You know what's not in that moment? Hope. Hope is anticipation. Hope means you don't have to worry about it. It's coming to you. How do I do that? How do I get to that place? I don't think I can. Pastor Matt, my whole life has been dictated. My whole life's been dictated by trauma. My whole life's been dictated by abuse. Every moment I wake up, it's there. It controls me. It cripples me. I'm controlled. Paul said this. He said, I love this. Now the God of hope will fill you. But it is through the power of the Holy Ghost. How does it happen? The Holy Spirit is how it happens. In this moment, you tell your present reality that is dictating you how to feel that you're ready to receive anticipation. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything this life has to offer. You don't need any feeling to make you comfortable. You don't need any amount of money. Let the Holy Spirit whisper in your ear right now through a still small voice that joy and hope are that God has got this. What, at what point, at what point are you gonna turn it over? Paul said, if you're gonna live the way I'm living, it's got to be through the power of the Holy Ghost. Release the fear and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a vision for your future. Your fear will dictate every minute of your life. So will every other aspect of your flesh. You have to release that. And you have to ask the Holy Spirit right now in this moment to give you a vision for what the Lord has for you. And then just anticipate it. Wait for it to happen. Because he'll also perform that. Let me ask you this question this morning. Have you ever given your life to Jesus? Have you ever put your enduring faith and trust in him? If you have, then you can live a life of expectation. But if you're doing it on your own, then you're in the driver's seat. How's that working for you? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift. 
lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Let him drive the car. Some of you right now, you need to ask the Holy Spirit for a vision of the future without your fear and anxiety. Here 